Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the podcast. And I've got a unique episode for you today. I'm actually coming to you from Nicaragua. I've had the awesome opportunity this week to be on a vision trip with our friends and partners at Stay Forth, Compassion International. I love the work of Compassion. Now you probably know Compassion International as the child sponsorship folks, and they do that, and they do that so well. My family, we have sponsor children in three different countries, and we actually got to meet our sponsor child this week. It was just an incredible opportunity to get to know her and to get to hear her story, hear about her family, to pray for her, and really excited to be in relationship with her. That's a big moment, but they are doing so much more than that. They're doing church planting, and I got to be part of a trip last year to Ecuador with our church to see a partnership and what that looks like. And let me just say, if you are discouraged at what is not happening within your church or within your circles, or you think the gospel is shrinking, then in North America, we have challenges, but I want to challenge you to be able to get into South America, get into Central America, get into Africa. The gospel is exploding in places outside of the U.S., and it can really give you hope again. It's just been incredible to be able to be here and process with a group of other leaders, uh, from other spaces and other traditions and faith tribes, and just to come together with the mission of seeing God continue to push forward His mission, people coming to know Him, people being released from poverty in Jesus' name. And so I thought it would be fun to just have a couple of conversations with folks. I have a conversation with a pastor that was here this week uh, with their church, and we got to know them in the process, and I feel like I'm friends with these folks uh, after a week together down here in Nicaragua. But I also talk with somebody who heads up the church team at Compassion. Talk about why he's passionate about what they do, what maybe is coming down the pike for them, what are some of the things you may not understand about Compassion. So we just wanted to kind of give a bigger picture of some of the things we really believe in. And they've just been an incredible partner for us here at Stay Forth. They really are local church people. Compassion doesn't try to reinvent the church. They go directly through the church. They love raising up and lifting up local leaders, indigenous leaders. And guys, I'm just so impressed by their integrity, by the steps that they have, even in very rural places where you may not think they have the resources to do this. They just operate with so much integrity. They operate through the local church. And I'm just a big fan. We'll continue to support Compassion. So welcome to my conversations straight from Nicaragua with a couple amazing leaders that I've gotten to spend the week with. Hope you guys enjoy. For the church, God, the, the mother church, and for the daughter church, we thank you and we glory, but we put everything in your hands for All right, guys. Uh, well, I got a friend of mine now, Mike, who I spent the week with uh, from Chicago. Mike's been awesome getting to know your group and your crew. Uh, so share a little bit about the collective at All Nations, uh, who you guys are and what role you have. Sure. So uh, I am a part of a ministry called the All Nations Worship Assembly. Um, we are a church that was started about 16 years ago in Chicago by uh, our senior pastor, Dr. Matthew Stevenson. 
Um, it originally started out as a small church, um, and about six years ago, we experienced a huge growth uh, spurt um, due to some strategic uh, activity, the hand of God, and um, the use of social media, and it's grown us quite a bit. And since then, we've grown to uh, uh, one church with 20 locations, and then we, as a part of our collective uh, body of churches, we have an additional 35 churches that submit to our church as the oversight, um, sort of pastor-to-pastor covering, so that the local pastors can have a covering. Um, and so we've got locations across the nation, um, and we uh, are a non-denominational movement that believes in the marriage of traditional values and principles mixed with modern technology, and we're not afraid to use some smoke and LED walls and things like that to communicate the gospel. And I love um, what happens on these trips. I and mean, we had some fun. Yeah. Uh, scared you a little bit today. Yeah. Right? We uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Had, actually had a chance to, to go ziplining. And, um, of course, not what you think about when you think about a vision trip. Um, we've eaten some great food, but really yeah. um, seen some incredible things uh, with the locals here. But just the conversations with you guys on the bus, I always learn things mm-hmm. when I'm, especially in another place, another country in this case, and uh, just have learned a lot from you guys. I've loved the conversation. And that's always, to me, the side benefit of getting out of my place. I don't know, man. I just catch a new perspective. So I love chatting with you guys, learning from you guys. You guys have an incredible team, um, a diverse team, a network, 20 different sites. It's incredible to to learn from you guys. But um, share some of the things that have impacted you the most about being here in Nicaragua. Sure. One of the biggest things that impacted me was actually doing some of the home visits and seeing the real life stories of some of the people. I said this before, uh, what happens when you when you sponsor a child through normal organizations, you get the pictures and you you may even write the letters, but, but the reality of this being a real person with a real family, with real experiences, with uh, real life, did not become real for me until I got here and I was actually able to go inside the homes and see how they live and talk with their families and talk with the grandmothers and learn their stories about how they got to this place and, and, and what they expect from God. Um, I was truly, truly inspired by some of them. And I think that in coming into this context and seeing these people, there's a, uh, I think in the U.S. and and, and, uh, in our sort of church environment, we expect God to do things. We expect it. And and while we should expect God to do some things, I think there's a spoiled nature that comes with that. Mm. Uh, But these people, they rely on God. And it's a little different. It's it, to me, it's kind of like you know, you've got a newborn baby that relies on you to nourish it and feed it and take care of it. Yeah, like a deep dependency. Absolutely, we can learn from. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like the, God is their only source, so their 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 relationship with Him and their their uh, reliance on Him is totally different than ours. I I loved even processing how we can walk through the same neighborhood, get to know some of the same kids, and something different is going to hit. All of us. Uh, we got some chances to learn from about church planting, yep. pastors here, and sit with them. I always love sitting with pastors in other places, and I learn things. Um, was there something that stuck out about either their model of church or church planting or anything as we were literally sitting at the feet of these pastors learning from them? Anything that stuck out about that? Sure. I love the fact that um, they're, they're not just planting churches to preach the gospel and just spread the gospel, but they're actually planting churches that are with the intent to change lives. 
they're intending to affect the community. I think sometimes we can plant churches and we just get stuck on the numbers and we want to multiply. And we, but what are we really doing for the community? And they, these churches are being planted to literally be the, the heartbeat of the city or the heartbeat of their community. And I think that is the most impactful thing. Like without the churches in these communities, these communities would be uh, desperate, you know? And I think um, that is something for me uh, to take back home. We do a lot of church planting. And, um, you know, of course, I look at demographics and I look at, you know, uh, age and income and that kind of stuff before planting a church. But now it has me looking at it with a greater uh, lens of how will we become a necessity to this church if, if we weren't here with the communities that we're in miss us, mm. you know? Yeah. And everything Compassion does, there's these four values and they kept repeating them, which yeah. is really encouraging yeah. to me to think, man, what if our people in our churches knew our values sure. that well, inside and out? Uh, and really everything that they do comes off of not only these values, but the value that they're adding to the community. It's always convicting mm -hmm. for me when I think, man, some things we've just forgotten. <laughs> Absolutely. Some things we've lost sight of in the process. Um, what were some of the hard things uh, for you to process? I mean, obviously we, we see some hard things Poverty up close is tough. What are some of those hard things to process this week? The hardest thing for me was uh, seeing so many children in desperate need, like in, in being in their homes and seeing where they sleep and where they live. And uh, I had to fight the urgency to, to, to be like, I, I walked in one house and I said, can I just write a check to like do something, you know? Sure. But, but, but the reality is the what compassion does in the holistic process is a necessity. Like we can give money and we can just throw money at them and do that. But it, it, we lack the holistic approach that compassion brings to it. And I, I, I was moved by that. You know, I, I'm looking at kids and I almost felt guilty because, you know, somebody said it before, uh, we treat ministry with children as an afterthought. We go after the adults and we treat the kids as the afterthought and we might put them in a room somewhere. And, and build a small curriculum or let them play. But here, these kids are learning the word and they, they know the Bible just as much as you would an adult. And um, that was exciting for me. But uh, the biggest, most challenging thing to answer your question was seeing how they were living and not wanting to like find a way to rescue everybody and you know bring them out of there. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a challenge. And even to understand the context a little bit better. Hey, tell me more about this. This doesn't make sense. Yep. That's, that's hard to do. What about hope? Where did you sense hope on this trip? Uh, that's awesome. Um, I sense hope in the, the faces of the, the, the kids, actually. You know, I, I, I could see these kids and I, and I could see um, how they were developing and they were learning and they were happy. Um, you would think, you know, without, you know, AirPods and... and tablets and things like that, kids would be uh, sad or depressed, but these kids were happy and they were excited and they were fun with just playing with a soccer ball and seeing that and seeing their excitement and then seeing their knowledge of, of their relationship with God and being able to speak about the word was inspiring to me because I think, uh, yes, the, the circumstances with this generation or their, the, their parents' generation were dim. But the hope is in the legacy that is built as a result of uh, compassion really helping these families. Hmm. And this trip is different from a traditional mission trip. This is, this is a vision trip and honestly a listening trip for us. We're, we're listening. We're learning. At one point, there's, I don't know, five or six of us sitting literally at the feet of this pastor and church planner saying, what are you doing? We want to learn from you. 
and feel like they have way more to teach us than we have to teach them. Uh, and so what was good and hard about really not adding any value during this time, not doing any work, not <laughs> painting anything, building anything, the traditional stuff. What was good about that, Mike? And then what was hard about that for you? What was good was about it was I was able to take it in, particularly in my role. I'm the chief operating officer at my church, um, and I handle all the business and everything flows Which to means me. you do all the stuff. I do everything so that my <laughs> pastor can get up and preach and not have to worry about anything else. And so I'm accustomed to seeing something wrong, and I need to fix that, or I need to take care of that, or I need to get somebody on this. And, you know, every Sunday... Sunday, that's a, a mentality for me. And I intentionally have to carve out time to make sure that I'm able to experience the service. But here I was able to experience and digest and take everything in. Um, and so that was that was amazing. That was a change of pace for me to be able to just see what they were doing. Um, the, the challenge was in uh not not doing anything, not not figuring out, OK, do I need to help you file some papers and, you know, that kind of thing. I'm accustomed to doing that on a regular basis. But this was a breath of fresh air to really have me sit back and look at it and even go back home and have some things that, you know, I learned a lot just in how they operate um, out of necessity that we take for granted because we 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 have the luxury of certain things um and so now i, I can operate with a different experience um back home yeah we don't have too many excuses on our operations at this <laughs> point when i see them in the middle of a tough neighborhood living out these standards of integrity and i think yeah i think we can up our game a little bit so i was definitely convicted at that all right, so you had an interesting approach uh, on this trip. You brought quite a diverse team from some of your different sites and locations. Talk a little bit about why you did that and what you hope this team brings back from a vision trip. Sure. So we built our relationship with Compassion uh, back in October and really solidified and established it. And we uh, used our uh, biggest gathering event, uh, one of our biggest conferences, the World Changer Summit, as an introduction of our relationship with Compassion. Um, and from that, we got a number of sponsorships for Compassion, um, which was good. And the church also sponsored some kids. But I want this to be a long-term relationship, not just one time we get a group of people to sponsor and we leave it there and we're done. But I wanted it to be a long-term relationship. So what I did was I uh, strategically brought a group of people who could act as almost my influencers uh, to the larger church body uh, to talk about what compassion does. Because, of course, not everybody can get away and come on a, a vision trip and see what happens here. They can't spend a week away and and visit homes and things like that. So I need ambassadors who can say, hey, this is what they do. This is how they do it. This is where your money goes. So I brought key people in various areas. So I brought one of our directors of education. I brought our CFO. I brought, um, you know, our conference and events planner and then even some local pastors that are part of our movement on this trip so that they can experience it, digest it, and go back home. And when we talk about compassion and we start the conversation about compassion, I have other voices that are influential in their various areas who can talk about it to the larger body hmm. and communicate that. We both share a passion for church planting. And one of the, my big surprises over the last few years has been that Compassion is coming alongside of local pastors to plant churches. Absolutely. That story just somehow didn't reach to Absolutely. me. And I think a lot of people just think child sponsorship. Um, and so what are some of those aspects of church planting and just some of the opportunities you see, whether it's here in Nicaragua or other countries, uh, with Compassion? 
Well, one of the things that I learned that was interesting to me is that they didn't, they're not just planting churches in communities where they'll get a lot of money back from the churches that they're planting or planting churches in, in highly affluent communities. They're looking for the worst areas to plant churches. Literally the opposite of many of our church <laughs> right. planting opportunities. Go to where the poorest people are that we can serve. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. So they're doing reverse demographics. They're looking for mm. the worst areas. And it literally is, uh, you know, the expression of taking the gospel to the four corners, you know, um, that that they're doing. And I love that model. And, and while that may not be necessarily a, a realistic approach in the states. It is something to consider. Like you know, if if we are building, planning churches, what is what is this church going to bring to this community? What are we going to do for this community um, to help better it? And 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 in a day and age where uh, people can get the gospel on their phones and on YouTube and things like that, what is the the what are we going to do to make the church the lighthouse you know a place where people will centrally go to receive you know and 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 so that's got to be a constant thought you know there's we've got to reinvent the necessity of actually going to the church house and going mm. into the church building mm. and i see that here like they, they they come here for education they come here for food they come here for health care they come to these churches as the lighthouse in their communities yeah i mean church church as community hub uh, church has a, a holistic place of wellness of growth and you see that right yeah. there's a hope you feel it when you walk in um, to these spaces and we have so much to learn in that even about community development they get it Absolutely. I mean they they get that way more than we do in the states um, always so convicted by that um, we talked about receiving a little mm -hmm. bit you said that word receive um, that's hard we're a bunch of leaders <laughs> for good or for ill we get stuff done uh, what was hard this week about receiving just sitting, you know, I, I particularly and it's such an interesting thing that I would end up on this event this week right now. You know, at our church, uh, we're planning some one of our biggest conferences right now. And so there's a lot going on. But I I wanted to make sure that I was in the moment as much as possible and turning off of my phone and, and really digesting and taking in what was happening in front of me and and seeing the operation and seeing the experiences for me uh that was the biggest part was to turn off my brain turn off all of the other things and, and you know even in sitting in a room and looking around the room and saying oh we could put some electrical there or they could have this here you know i literally had to shut off my brain and my my natural instinct to constantly think about how to fix things um, and just just digest it all. Just receive and digest what is happening around me. Mm. Well, we need to wrap it up, man. It's, it's the middle of winter, but we're over here sweating and get, about, to get, about to get tore up by some mosquitoes out here. Um, so I know a lot of people that have maybe misnomers about starting either child sponsorship or global missions. Um, and I've had those hesitations uh, as a pastor as well. Absolutely. Uh, and so, I mean, some of those are real and we fight the scarcity mentality, things like that. What would you say to a church at the edge of thinking about either sponsorship program coming alongside of compassion or someone else and planting a church globally? What would you tell that leader? I would tell them, I, and, I, and I've experienced uh, child sponsorships and things like that in, in, from other organizations. The thing I love about compassion is that they really 
are trying to change lives and they're doing it with a holistic approach and they're doing it with the word of God behind it. Um, I think that is key. That is important. And these are real lives. I can't like I can't get over that enough for me. It's not just a picture on a card or a face on a postcard, but these are real lives with real families, with real stories. And they really are people that are relying on God's help through everyday people like you and me. Um, there, I think there's a scripture in Psalms uh, 69, maybe, that, that uh, the, the psalmist is saying, you know, answer me, God. And then, and then he says, he finished it by, by saying, by the compassion of your heart. Mm. And I really feel like God's compassion is shown through the activities and the actions of everyday people like us. Mm. Well, Mike, it's been awesome to get to know you guys and your movement. Uh, have loved what I learned from you guys this week. And man, you survived. You survived this week. We, I did the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I ziplined 11 times. We finished with a little bit of fear at the end of the day. It was a blast. But love getting to know you and your crew. And uh, thanks for sharing your thoughts with us. Likewise, no problem. All right. Well, I've got a new friend this week, uh, Stacy Foster is uh, an incredible man, has been in ministry for many, many years, uh, and now serves as the head of the church team at Compassion. So, Stacy, it has been a blast getting to know you this week. Man, it's been a joy to get to know you as well. God's at work in a lot of different ways. Uh, we got to see it this week in Nicaragua. You get to see that around the world. So I thought we would just peek in a little bit behind the scenes at Compassion. But before that, um, tell us what led you up to this season of jumping on the Compassion team. Yeah, well, I, uh, I pastored in the city of Detroit for about 22 years. And we served in the inner city church on the west side of Detroit, the best side. <laughs> a church called Life Changers International Ministries, where God was changing hearts, healing hurts, imparting truth, and impacting a generation. Loved what we were doing. Felt called to that. At the same time, I was also a speaker. I was part of the first speaker team with Compassion. Started in probably 1997. Uh, when I was asked by uh, Mike Johnson, who was head of the marketing program, if I would consider speaking on behalf of children in poverty. And that began a journey that actually led up to today. And so uh, 1997, he took me to my first missions trip to Guatemala. Went over and saw what God was doing in Guatemala in the hearts of people. And the first trip, we saw the rural community. And we saw poverty, but kids were clean. You could see the joy. The next day, they took me to the city dump. We got to the city dump, and we saw kids out scavenging for food at the city dump. And it broke my heart. I think the things that break the heart of God should break our hearts. Mm. During that time, I asked the host, did we work, we being compassionate, did we work with the parents and the grandparents? And she said, in a limited capacity, but we primarily focus on children. I asked the question, Alan, why just the children? She said, because oftentimes the parents and the grandparents have strongholds. I said, how are you defining a stronghold? She described it this way. She said, a stronghold is a mindset that's pregnant with hopelessness. Mm. And so that began the journey wow. of God connecting my heart to be a part of this movement to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. I have such respect for compassion. You guys have made hard decisions over the years uh, that have probably cost you guys funding that have cost you guys, um, it, it, many would think opportunities, and yet have stayed true to the mission. A huge fan of compassion 
And each time I get on the ground, I get to see that. So it's been an incredible week to see indigenous leaders living that out and kids with exactly what you described, hope, a different narrative to their life. Um, So, you know, you mentioned sponsorship, Mm -hmm. and I think we think that everybody understands sponsorship. But talk a little bit more about what is child sponsorship and why it matters so much. Child sponsorship is what we would actually call child discipleship. Mm. Sponsorship literally helps to release a child from from poverty in a real holistic way. So we're talking spiritual, which is most important. A child gets an opportunity to come to know Christ cognitively. We have an opportunity to help a child to grow and develop uh, socially, emotionally. We help a child get oriented and to uh, become socialized in an environment where they get to interact with other kids and deal with some of the issues that they may have. Uh, And then physically, where we actually help to address some of the physical needs that a child might have Hmm. or medical needs. And yeah, so a lot of that's medical. Mm -hmm. It isn't just food and Mm -hmm. education in that way, but the medical stuff. um, I was amazed by the survival program, even starting with conception, starting in the womb. Those mothers many times are struggling. They're vulnerable. The kids are vulnerable. Uh, yeah. And so I've, I've been amazed at the depth of what I've seen. The youth programs as well that continue to grow and develop. We're both local church guys. Yeah. And what I love is the compassion works through the local church. Talk a little bit more about that church-centric ministry to those in poverty. How is that different? Absolutely. When we say that we believe that the church is the hope of the world, we mean it. We believe that the pastors in that church community, they're the heroes of that local community. Um, how is that different from, and I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, sure. but how is that different from many of the other organizations that are out there? Sure. Well, Compassion believes in holistic child development. Many of the other organizations, again, I'm not trying to throw any other organizations and what their assignments uh, has been given to them by God and, or whatever their mission, their board is, but a lot of other organizations have what we call community development. So they might go into a community and they might dig a well, they might work with families, but we believe that we need to work through the local church, that those pastors in those communities know their people better than we do. Hmm. So um, share some of those stories that over the years you've gotten to, you've gotten to see with churches in the U.S. connecting to the mission of God and other churches and having that you guys use this relational language. Um, Mm -hmm. Share one or two of those stories of a church in the U.S. connecting with local churches to partner up. Yeah, so earlier this year, we had the privilege of being able to take uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes and his wife, uh, Lady Sarita Jakes, to Ghana. And we had an opportunity to allow them to see our work and our impact. The churches that was there was so amazed that churches in America would come to actually help them to do what God had called them to do. Here's the thing, uh, particularly with the African-American church, we have not had the privilege of being able to go abroad and serve internationally. And so what I'm learning and what I'm discovering is that we give an opportunity, especially for African-American pastors, uh, our Anglo brothers and sisters have done this for years, but now we're getting an opportunity to see African-American pastors and Latino pastors connect globally to help under-resourced, underserved communities internationally. Mm. And you want to see more of that. We had a really diverse week this week, which I absolutely loved and just found the richness of that beautiful, different church traditions, different tribes coming together this week. Um, What would you love to see for church engagement, church partnership, church vision 
in the lens of both racial reconciliation and just pure partnership. Sure. I, I see God doing something new. As you uh, stated so eloquently, this trip is unique in the sense that you have different tribes coming together. It, it's not about my tribe. It's not about black, white. It's about the kingdom. And it's about how God is at work in communities across the globe and how people, God is raising up pastors to come and see his heart for children in poverty and being a part of the solution. Hmm. You love compassion. I can tell that. Um, that gives me energy. That gives me excitement. What are some of the things you absolutely love about compassion? And then what are some of the things you absolutely love about your role of engaging churches yeah. in the mission of God? Yeah. Great question. I, I love compassion's integrity. It was probably about 25 years ago when I began to work with compassion, discovered who compassion was. I love the integrity in which compassion operates. You saw this week, uh, compassion is an open book. No matter what country you go to, whether it's Thailand or Haiti or the DR, no matter where you go on the planet where we serve in 25 different countries around the world, there's a great level of accountability and integrity. And then there's a, a passion to do what God has called, especially with those who are most vulnerable. Children, they're the most vulnerable. And so compassion serves these children in a way that I think honors the families, where they bring dignity to these children, but also honored the Father's heart. Hmm. And I came in um, semi-skeptical, at least, sure. which I think we have to today. You guys talked about that. We, we know more than we used to, and we're worried that our money is going to support the wrong things. Yeah. So I think integrity goes such a long way, and I'm a huge fan uh, of compassion for so many reasons. But, man, mm -hmm. that integrity is pretty incredible. When you think about the amount of sponsorships, what are you guys up to nowadays? Almost 2 million children. 2 million children. Yeah. So if you guys think about 38 bucks a month, then you think about all the other projects that um, mm -hmm. churches help support. That's a ton of money. That's a ton of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And man, some of the accounting processes and some of the integrity yeah. that these churches have in really tough neighborhoods, mm -hmm. we can learn from, yeah. right? And can yeah. hold us accountable yeah. a little bit. Well, see, I love, I love compassion stance on this. Proverbs says that the simple believe every word. And so when Mike Johnson asked me many years ago if I would be a voice or a spokesperson on behalf of children in poverty, I said, sure, Mike, I've seen compassion around at music festivals and concerts and places I've spoken at. I said, I absolutely raised my hand to use my platform to speak on behalf of children. And he said, Stacy, we don't want you just to believe in the work. We want you to see the work. And so they took me overseas mm. to see the work. And that's what we get a chance on my team to do is to take pastors no strings attached to come and see our work on the ground so that they can actually kick the tires and see if this is what God would invite them to do. Yeah, I think about the field trip with a different posture that is just a learning posture um, to investigate a little bit, to ask questions. And you guys do such a good job of that. Um, what yeah. do you see happen on those vision trips? Well, I think you said it best when we kicked off our time together and you quoted Mark Batterson. You said a change of pace and a change of place equals a change of perspective. Yep. And that's really what this has been about. That's really, I mean, it sums it up really well to say, man, when we get pastors out of their native environment, change of place, change of pace equals a change of perspective. And so people get a chance to see God at work and then they get a chance to open their hearts or have their hearts open to see how God wants them to join mm. them, uh, us, in doing what he's called us to do. And we've had great conversations that have 
really nothing to do with what we're seeing here, but it happens, right? It happens yeah. on the bus. There's space at meals and just getting to see some of the beautiful things of, that each culture has, each context has mm-hmm. to offer. Um, talk a little bit about uh, the difference in context, because I know that you guys are sensitive to context, and yet you talked about th- those four areas that you see wherever, right? Yeah. From Ghana to Nicaragua, I got the opportunity to go to Ecuador and see what God was doing there and meet our sponsor kid. I mean, just so powerful. But the context is different a little bit sure. wherever you go. So talk about how the different shades and colors of what Compassion is doing in 25 um, soon-to-be-more countries. See, what I love about Compassion, I think that, you know, as a Bible uh, lover and someone who has pastored for, for years, we understand that context is king. Mm-hmm. And so what Compassion does is we don't go in and tell people how they need to serve the people that they're called to. We go in and we work alongside of them how God is uniquely at work in their environment with their children, with their families. And so we come and we buy, provide structure and resources, but it's their context. The expression of God here in Nicaragua is different from Thailand. Mm-hmm. We see God at work, but he's uniquely at work, and he's in, uniquely at work in the context of that local community. Mm. Yeah, and you know, if, if you're listening and you're thinking about kicking the tires, uh, there's nothing quite like seeing what God is doing. And I got to see it on the church side of that first, partnering mm-hmm. um, with a couple of churches that wanted to plant churches mm-hmm. was a beautiful opportunity and process. Even those churches, 30 mm-hmm. minutes away, looked so different and were yeah. led differently, yet you saw the same core stuff. Uh, and I'm such a big fan of both of those, yeah. right? Enough process to keep the integrity. Kind of chaotic is the idea, chaos and order. Yeah. Just enough structure and enough freedom. And uh, it's beautiful to, to watch and to see. What would you say and what do you say to churches that are considering this? Um, maybe they have some fears. What's this going to do to our budget? Um, how could this you know, hurt our church financially in some way? How could this take my time, energy, whatever? Sure. You've heard all the fears. What do you say to a church considering taking the next step? So I pastored in the inner city of Detroit for years, as I mentioned earlier. And what I discovered and I'm still discovering through other pastors who also step out by faith. The Bible says in Proverbs, it says, he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord and he shall repay. And so what we've discovered, and we've got some research to back this up, is that generosity breeds generosity. That's right. When, when we allow people to live beyond themselves, and express this in worship, $38 a month, and for some it may be a sacrifice, but God doesn't do math the way that we do math, Alan. It doesn't make sense. You think it's going to draw away from your budget, yeah, and it ignites your people in in just such a unique way. Um, Is it about 1% of those who sponsor kids ever meet them? Probably about 1% to 2%. 1% to 2%. Mm -hmm. Guys, I can't encourage you enough. Maybe you're listening. You are a Compassion Sponsor. Uh, maybe your church has a partnership. Figure out a way to go on either a sponsor trip or a church trip is powerful. Yeah. Just meeting those kids, their families. Um, many of them just have amazing families that mm-hmm. are doing everything they can, stay above the poverty line. And obviously, they are uh, needy, needy, needy kids that you guys intentionally look for. But man, there's so much ingenuity. There's so much dignity in their families. We're in people's homes. They're showing us their business. They are proud of how they are providing for their families. And it's, it's not what you think you'd find. They're yeah. not kids sitting sad in the corner. They have so much no, joy. joy. Their families invite us hope. in and welcome them. So uh, just kind of in the midst of that paradigm shift right now, which is why I wanted to record in the midst of it, not two weeks later, yeah. but literally coming to you from Nicaragua here. Um, Stacy. I love what you guys do. 
And I love that you guys are local church people. I sense that. And I think many times organizations try to go around the local church and around pastors. And so if you're listening to this and you are an involved lay leader, missions pastor, um, lead pastor of a church, somebody that has the ability to get this process moving, um, I'm just a huge fan. I want you guys to pay attention to compassion. And again, I appreciate you guys letting us ask questions that many times you feel a little bit awkward asking. So anything else you would encourage people listening? We're we're an open book and, you know, Black and Me wrote a book uh, years ago. and, And I love the idea that we need to not ask God to join us in what we're doing, but but really see what God is at work and join right. Him. He's at work. Yeah, He is at work. We don't start the stuff. No. We get to peek in. And we actually talked about that with Pastor Mike earlier, yeah, is yeah. that we come here not to do anything, right. but to observe what God and incredible faithful leaders are already doing on the ground. And what a privilege it's been. So thanks for facilitating that space. Yeah, and I, I will say this, man. I love the leadership of compassion. Mm-hmm. And, and I say this with sincerity that what our president and our global leadership team, what they have decided to do is to say, we don't just want to reach the poor. And it sounds oxymoronic, but we want to reach the poorest of the poor, those who are in extreme poverty. So we work with those who live on less than $2 a day. Hmm. And so that says to me that, you know, we're not concerned about the resources because we, again, I think someone once said a missionary, God's work done God's way will never lack God's provision. Mm. And that's what we're seeing at Compassion. That's good. And we just finished hearing somebody share about growing up in the program, becoming a pastor, and actually a church planter yeah. through Compassion. And so to hear those stories just charges me up. I think many times we think, you know, man, Christianity shrinking. And we get this negative scarcity attitude in North America. Go to Central America. Go to South America. Go to Africa. The gospel is exploding. Recently now Absolutely. in Brazil. I mean, exciting things are happening. And there's just something about getting on a plane. It can be a financial investment. It can mm-hmm. be uh, obviously an investment of time, our most precious resource. Uh, but I've never gotten back from a trip of seeing what God's doing elsewhere and thought, nah, I wish I would have just stayed here and worked a regular work yeah. week. So Every time I go on a trip like this, my heart goes back aflame. Hmm. I mean, excited to do what God has called me to do in this season. This is what I call third quarter. My wife and I, third quarter for us. And we're saying, man, how do we leverage our skills, our insight, our leadership ability in this quarter for the glory of God? Hmm. I find no other way to do that but being a part of what Compassion is doing. Well, I think you already are, Stacy. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Alan. One thing I love about being in other countries are the opportunities that just seem to find you. One night we were sitting out at a cafe on the street and a man literally walked up to us with an amazing accent and just said, can I recite some poetry for you guys? So we wanted to let you in here on the podcast. So here is an original by my new friend, John Oliver. When men refuse to do the right against each other is they'll choose to fight. When men decide to live real kind, then men will have a peace of mind. He who hate to hear the truth shall never know things from the root. But those who love to own their fault shall surely live to their exalt. Now men can do what great men have done. Together we can shine bright as the sun. If we should only realize Leave behind foolishness and be wise. Let us check those birds on her. Take their examples from their birth. They hate to know the fruits do rot when other birds could have a laugh. Yet we have some foolish men 
who always keep that slave repent, don't run a risk and eat the fruit, cause the ranger sure to shoot. So listen, my brother, wherever you are, also my sister, if you are near or far, my message to you, let us unite. Together we can shine bright, both black and white. <laughs> well, I've got a couple of next steps for myself. Now, first of all, I got to write more often to these kids to think that there's people across the world that are not only financially supporting, but are writing to their kids to help them get holistic education and health and growth and cognitive development and growth socially, that these local churches, these projects are taking care of of these kids and helping them grow into the people God designed them to be. That is so close to our mission here at Stay Forth. So I'm going to continue and actually be better about writing letters. And the second thing is that I want to keep my eyes on vision trips. I'm going to be on these, you know, maybe once or twice a year, maybe even a little bit more to be able to get out of my context. One of my favorite quotes, Mark Batterson, he says, change of place plus change of pace equals change of perspective. Do you need a change of perspective in your life? Maybe that's getting away to an experience that we host. We have the Phoenix fill-up coming up. We have a ladies' gathering in the fall. We have several gatherings that we'll talk about and experiences we'll talk about here on this podcast. But maybe for you, it's jumping into a vision trip and actually considering what would it be like if our church could take on something big and bold and audacious, like helping kids, like coming alongside of the church halfway across the world to help them be Jesus with flesh on in these communities. Guys, it's powerful. These aren't just kids that's pictures hang on your fridges. These kids have families. They have dreams. They have desires. And guys, it has been an honor and a privilege to be here. Hope you enjoyed a little bit of our field trip, our vision trip, a peek into Nicaragua, what God's doing here. Uh, God's at work all over the world. Compassion is in 25 countries and by the grace of God, expanding even further in the next years. I've been deeply touched by compassion. Love, love, love what they are doing. If you're interested in sponsoring, you can always go to their website or just reach out to me, and I'd be glad to uh, connect you with the right people there at Compassion. They love the local church, and they want to continue to support and care for you guys as pastors as you continue to pour out and live on the mission of God. Thanks so much for enjoying our field trip, and as always, we believe that you can indeed stay healthy and do what God has uniquely designed you to do. That you don't have to burn out or flame out if you're going to do the ministry that God has called you to. Thanks for joining us on another podcast. We'll catch you next time. I write the claim and sing to my people. Want them to sing with me. They don't even listen, but yet clap their hands while I fight myself through light at night. Through dark, cold, and rain, without a place to stay. But I'm on my good way. I leap walking, and I just keep talking. Fighting, smiling, with weapons of words and musical rhythm. Want to tell my people something special about themselves? I need to tell people that there is something very important about this world that we have long forgot. 
and it is worth fighting for. Respect is what counts. Attention to my declamation and recognize me for my labor. Who gave us life and courage to be. It is for us together live lovingly free. I mean totally without any exception. Never give it away. Please never betray it. It is my precious mind, my deep, sweet soul, and my pulsing rhythm, ambassador of dignity. Thanks for your tolerance and attention. <laughs>